Hey sis, it's a weekly shakedown of the binary walls around us. Breaking it out and building a bridge. Checking our biases with empathy and humility and questioning the status quo. It's about building allyship that is intentional and confident. And uh, I had myself prepared for cancer. I really did. And uh, I can remember the night like it was yesterday and we got a phone call and uh, it was our doctor and she wanted to see Jacob immediately. And well, because he went in for tests and stuff like that. And he's, you know, well, while you're at it, you know, do my SE, uh, do my HIV tests and stuff. And because it was just it was just part of the it was just part of the routine. Right. And um, uh Anyway, um, we went in and I, I can re- I was sitting there, sitting there. I went in the office with him and I can still see her face. I can hear her words, everything. And she said, Jacob, your HIV test has come back positive. And I don't remember much about the next few minutes, but I just saw white. I'm Cynthia and Isaac and I both thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. Today, Isaac and I are commemorating World AIDS Day with a very special guest, Devastation. Seven feet tall in hair and heels and an attitude through the roof. Deva is a polished, experienced and seasoned performer who has seen it all over the years, appearing regularly on television and in movies. Deva is an elder in the Halifax drag community, and she loves to recognize and help new and -and up-and-coming talent as the ultimate drag auntie. Deva is also HIV positive and advocates frequently to stop the stigma. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the show today, Deva. So why don't we start by, you could maybe share a little bit of your background, um, where you grew up and where you call home. Uh, well, Halifax is home. I grew up actually down on the Eastern shore in a little place in Guysbury County called Isaac's Harbor. And it was like, literally, if you blink, when you drive through there, you'd miss it. And, um, yeah, once I was old enough to get out of there, I never looked back. I don't go, I haven't been home home in like over five years. So I should probably does that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when did you when did you move to Halifax? Like, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I moved to Halifax in 1998 um, for hair school. It was in May of 1998, and uh, yeah, um, I didn't come out of the closet. I left out of the closet, and <laughs> I only worked here. I only was here for like maybe three days, and I had a job. At Reflections, I used to be their shooter boy a long time ago when mommy was young and thin. And um, yeah, I paid my way through high, or through hair school with that and never looked back. I, I love Halifax. I love it here. Well, I'm sure Halifax is uh, glad to have you. And the whole creative uh, drag scene has probably benefited dramatically um, from the creative work that you do, both uh, in your shows and on stage and on TV and on screen. Um, well, I mean, if, most of them, if you really can't go, you really can't hit a drag queen here in Halifax without them being connected to me in some way, right? Because, I mean, Rouge is my child, and she's birthed them all, so um, I, I'm like glamour to the city. That's what I always like to call myself. I love it. Well, we are so glad to have you here while we're um, commemorating World AIDS Day. Um, We're looking sort of statistically, I think it's saying that there's about an estimated 62,000 
50 Canadians living with HIV. Uh, that was as of the end of uh, 2018. And we'd love uh, to have you share some of your experience around living with HIV and in the interest of breaking down stigma. Um, perhaps you could just share a little bit about your journey. It almost killed me. It, um, when, when you're a young gay boy coming from a small, or from a small town where you were basically told that, you know, if you're gay, I'll disown you, um, HIV was the scariest thing. I mean, that was the, you, you didn't care about anything else. It's like, I just don't want to get HIV. That, that, that was your biggest fear. And when I moved here, I mean, I was, I was young, I was naive and, but I immediately fell in with all the drag queens from being in hair school. And a lot of the people that I was instantly in with were HIV positive. They were people who had survived, you know, the eighties and had, you know, I've seen friends with like two T cells. I've had lots of friends die, but I come from, I kind of came in just past that things were getting better. It wasn't, it wasn't so much a death sentence, all that kind of stuff. And, but when I, I, I remember um, my drag mother, um, her name was studio. Um, if anybody, if, if anybody knows who, who studio was, and I can remember one of the very first times I was out with him. I, w I wasn't in drag. It was, it was pre, it was pre Deva. And, like I said, being young and not, and being an idiot and not knowing, like, because I hadn't been around people. I remember the first, we were at a party or something like that. And he took my bottle and he took a drink from it. And I can remember myself staring at that bottle for like a good 30 seconds right before I drank out of it. And I'm like, okay, it's not, you know, you got to get over that. Right. And, but I was so, that was the only thing I ever feared was getting HIV. And I really thought I had gotten past it. I really thought that I was, yeah, I don't need to worry about that anymore. But, um, <laughs> I sent my husband home for milk and he, oh, for milk and he came home with the hip. And that's what I always like to say. So, um, when I got it, uh, it, it almost killed me. It really did. It, it set me completely into a spiral of depression. I couldn't be left alone. Um, there's whole months of my life that I, I simply don't remember because I, I, it just, it destroyed me. So that would have been how, how many years ago would that have been about? Uh, I I'm, I've only been positive for like six years, I think. Yeah. And before you found out, so what, what inspired you to go and get tested? Was it? Were oh, you yeah. I always get tested regularly anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, once, I mean, I, my husband and I have been together for 22 years. Right. So, and we, we, we were married in like on our ninth anniversary is when we got married. Right. So you get to that point where you don't think about this anymore, but, um, it was actually my husband. Uh, he was not feeling well at all. He was, he was sick and we knew something was wrong. And, uh, I had myself prepared for cancer. I really did. And, uh, I can remember the night, like it was yesterday and we got a phone call and, uh, it was our doctor and she wanted to see Jacob immediately. And well, cause he went in for tests and stuff like that. And he's, you know, well, while you're at it, you know, do my SE, uh, do my HIV tests and stuff. And cause it was just, it was just part of the, 
which is part of the routine, right? And um, uh, anyway, um, we went in, and I, I can. Re- I was sitting there, sitting there. I went in the office with him, and I can still see her face. I can hear her words, everything. And she said, "Jacob, your HIV test has come back positive." And I don't remember much about the next few minutes, but I just saw white, and um, I ended up running away from the the. Um, um, the doctor's office that night, Jake found me on the sidewalk. I was out front. I was crying. I was just like, cause like, I just knew, right. I, I knew what that means. Like, well, he, there's no way he can have it and I not have it. Right. And, uh, so I had to get tested the next day and, um, it was with in a couple of days and I got the phone call, but I, I, that night is when we all kind of prepared and, did the sit in the middle of the kitchen floor and drink a box of wine and, and cry your eyes off on your friends. Like, I mean, people were called. I mean, we, it, it was, it was the worst moment of my life. It really was. But in the end, it was the best moment of my life. And it started me off on a completely new path. And, um, I have, I put, I took all of that and I put it somewhere else. And I used uh, Station DRG and, and, you know, Queen's Ranting. That was my, it was my outlet. It was my focus. It was, it gave me somewhere to put my, everything that I needed. And, and now, quite frankly, HIV is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It really was. It really is. I mean, I, I hold no, I hold no, um, I really, honestly, I don't think about it. I really don't. And it's not until I have to go for blood work and stuff where I'm like, and you know, because how, how does she put it? Um, like I'm undetectable, un, 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 undetectable equals untransmittable, you know, and my my ID nurse and stuff, they're very graphic people. And she's like, you know, you could someone could drink a bucket of your blood and they're, they're not going to get anything. She's like, if we, she should. What did she say one night? She said, if we cut open your brain, we could find it there. She said, but think of it like this. It's in a, a little room in your brain locked away. It's just a copy of it. And it's surrounded by guard dogs and a moat. And she said, as long as you take these two little pills every day, it never gets out. She said, so for all intents and purposes, you don't have it, right? You have a copy of it somewhere in your body that if it gets out, there's problems. <laughs> but I, I hope that's what that. you're looking for. I love that visual, though. I really like, and so that, I mean, I'm learning. I'm like, I'm learning an awful lot here just by what you're, what you're saying. And, but you went from so, such a dark space. And when you were saying, you know, that moment sitting on the floor and I was just like how you just turned it around and found some, like this light and that, can you tell us a little bit more about, about that? Like how, how has it shaped you in such a positive way? The, the universe spoke to me. And I know that sounds, you know, you know, here with my bag of crystals, you know, I know that sounds corny, but it did. And I, um, I've, I had to be watched. I wasn't allowed to be alone. Um, Jacob was scared to go to work. He, he took it in a completely different way. He looked at it as a way of, you know, here I've killed us because of the problems that Jake has, which is a whole other bag of worms. And he deals with things a lot differently than what I do. I'm very emotional. I'm, I had a nervous breakdown, right? Because I couldn't, everything came out all at once. 
And because it wasn't just that, then I started to relive childhood trauma and bullying and it all just started to pour out all of it. And I, and once it started, I couldn't stop. Right. And, um, I just knew that I needed to purge. I just had that un, I just, I just couldn't hold everything in me anymore. And, um, it was a change of doctors because my old doctor, the doctor who, who told us, she never liked me anyway. And, uh, I, but I ended up with an amazing doctor who, who listened to me a lot more, who understood me. And I'm a insanely creative person. I need to be doing something all the time. And I just said, this is my focus. And I need to now take this because I looked at myself, um, I don't know if you know, remember who Lulu LaRue is. And if you look up Lulu LaRue, they, they were a drag in Halifax for a long time. And they were, of course, they were positive. And uh, I always looked up to them. And they always, they were someone who made me kind of own my shit, right? And all, I took all of that. They had passed away but by this time. And my drag mother had passed away. Um, one of my other great friends, Michelle they passed away and it was all HIV related. I'd seen all these people die and, and I'm like, okay, from <laughs> one of the very first things I asked my doctor or um, my, my, my ID doctor, I said, am I going to get thin? And he said, probably not. And I was like, fuck, right. You know? So I kind of, but he said, you know, you're never going to be that you're, you're never going to see the struggles that those people went through. Right. And I mean, I, I was only two months and I was undetectable. I mean, I, I've never had so much as a cough from it. Right. And uh, you just have to take care of yourself. But it put me on a path of I'm the next generation. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's my job because I've been in situations where I I probably did it myself, where you look at individuals who are HIV positive and you do you look at them like. They're, they're dirty. I don't want to touch you. Right. Um, dating apps. Oh my God. The, like I, I've, I've seen people just get completely ripped to pieces. Right. You know, you shouldn't be on here. You're dirty. And I'm like, and that's, that's where I went in my mind. I'm like, I'm disgusting and nobody was ever going to want to touch me again. Right. And it, I had to get over that myself, but in getting over it, I kind of put myself in a way of it's now my job to help to guide the future and help to see the next generation in and to let them know that I'm not dirty and you can kiss somebody who weighs HIV and you you can do, you you can have, you know, now with prep, you don't need to worry about it. I mean, I have a t-shirt that says Truvada whore on it. Like, I mean, you, you don't need to like HIV is no longer, nobody gets AIDS anymore. If you're, if you're on, if you're on treatment, you don't get that, right? So it's the, the stigma of it has, I just, I felt it was my job to, to be that person and to be open. Um, for a long time, I hid it for a long time. I, I would, didn't hide it among my friends, right? But it took me a long, I can remember the very first time I said it out loud. And it was with, uh, I used to do a lot of work with the AIDS Coalition in Nova Scotia and one of the people who worked there, Kenda. And I remember the first time I said it out loud to someone and she hugged me after that. And it, it was, it was that feeling because it is, it's, it's a very big step to say it out loud. And a couple of years ago, I, well, he'll know who Trinity K. Bonet is. 
right? If you don't, I take away your tutu, right? Okay. Well, Trinity was here and Trinity being, being positive, I was uh, part of that tour. And that was the very, I announced it that night on stage. I was talking with Trinity and they were taping this for a, a CBC documentary. And I had never said it on stage because I never had reason to, but I'm like, mommy knows how to make good TV. So <laughs> I, I, I said it that, that night and it was right from there. I was like, I'm never going to be not open again. I'm always going to be open and true with it because if I'm not, then I'm being as bad as the people who still are keeping the stigma up, right? If I'm not open, then why should they be open kind of thing, right? I guess that's where I'm kind of going with this. It must have been like a weight being lifted. Oh, it was insane. And um, everything just felt better after that. But my kind of time on stage, my drag time on stage, I've done that. Right. And I'm of an older stock. I mean, back in my day, you could wear a pretty sequin gown and do a nice number and and people would lose their mind. Now, if you're not doing backflips and split jumps and side splits and death drops, I mean, you're not doing drag. I mean, if I do a death drop, it's because I'm dead. Okay, and I've I knew that my time had kind of passed. Right. So I was like, I need to put my energy somewhere else. You know, I can't do this anymore, but I'm good at all of these things. Let's put them here. Right. And that's when we had started Station DRG. And that's when we started Queen's Ranting and Queen's Ranting became our therapy. Right. And uh, I mean, yes, we don't have millions of subscribers yet, uh, but um, the creating that show allowed us to uh, hone our skills. And um, it was it's like therapy for me and Rouge, right? We get on there and we just, whatever's in us, it just comes out, right? And there are episodes where, well, there was one big episode of, I think it was like episode 20 or something like that. And I had a complete nervous breakdown on set, on camera. And you, you can watch it and you see it happen. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Deva just lost her mind. And I ran off. I tore off all my clothes and my corset and my eyelashes. And I screamed and cried in the middle of the kitchen floor for an hour. Rouge had to hug me like a baby, right? It became our cleansing. And uh, she's had cleansing moments. And we call them our come to Jesus moments. And um, this is what we're pushing now. We're trying to get more people involved in it. And, you know, we're now bringing, um, we have editors and people want to work from this. Like I have an editor in the UK who wants to work with us for free just because he loves what we're doing. Right. And I have friends in Newfoundland who are learning to edit. I've got these new young, I love recognizing talent in people and I consider myself good at it. And like I've got, I'm surrounded by all these insanely talented children who have so much to give. And I'm like, well, here, let's give you a place to put that. You know, let's give you a place to put your energy. I keep telling them, I say, okay, listen, so mommy's going to die. Right. So you work really hard on all this and it'll be yours someday. All I want is to be old and wear caftans and grow orchids in my greenhouse. That's all I want. You do everything. Else. But uh, no, it's it's really amazing, though, that you've taken so much pain and frustration and stigma and discrimination and turned it into something so beautiful and prideful and passionate. Like you've taken that pain, turned it to passion and Thank really you. put it out there. Thank and you. that's. That takes a lot of guts, like to do that, to be in the front of front of the stage and be like, "Hey, I have HIV." Like that, that isn't inspirational for me. Thanks. Yeah, yeah huge, huge admiration, and I love that. And so, um, but how, how, what would you, how, how do you encourage? I guess breaking down the stigma, um, and, and you know, to some young person maybe who's just found out that they have HIV. I've only had it happen once. Um, 
I knew it would happen eventually. I did not think it would be this person. Um, I was here. I was, I was, I was working, I was doing something. I forget exactly what it was, but I had got a text from this person and said, you know, can I stop by to see you? And I never thought anything of it because this person stops by all the time. And, and they came in and they were very quiet. There was someone else here and I'd, I'd asked them, you know, to go away. And cause it was obvious that they wanted to talk to me and it happened right over there. And she just kind of said, I was like, okay, spill. And uh, he's like, took him a little bit and took a deep breath. And he said, my test came back or my test came back positive. And at first I didn't hear it. It took me like a second to hear it. And I'm like, oh baby. And I just, I took him in my arms and he, he cried for a good two hours. And, um, and I told him, I, I said, it's really no big deal. It's really no big deal. You know, you're going to go on. It's going to get better. You know, you won't feel like this forever. I promise. And now they've completely embraced it. They don't, they're like, they, they've moved on. Same kind of thing. You know, I don't think I could ever have felt any lower than what I was at that moment. So I knew everything else was a step up. Right. And, and, and I told this person, I, and I tell everybody, all the kids who are around me, if I tell them one thing, it's like, get it out. Like kids will come over and they'll be, they'll be saying things. Da, 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 da. He said, she said, da, da, da. and I don't, I said, well, did you tell them this? No. Well, how the hell are they supposed to know there's a problem? Right. And I just, I, I want everybody be your authentic self, own your shit, put it out there. Okay. You know, say what you think, mean what you say and let someone else deal with it. Okay. You worry about you. And because if you give, I, I always call it my monster, right? If you give the monster ammunition, okay, then that's when he can hurt you. Right. But if you don't give the monster any ammunition, if you are upfront and open with everything, the monster can't hurt you. And I've learned that in the last six years easy and i push that to everybody so when i tell kids you know who have never been tested i'm like i'm like just think of it as a man it's just a little prick okay go get tested and and find out right and it makes you aware it makes you think about the world differently it makes you you know i i remember the person who 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 um told me here and he's she's like i'm so stupid I feel so stupid. You know, I trusted this person, right? And it reminded me of other stories that I had heard, right? I remembered my drag mother telling me the story of how they were infected. And they had said almost the exact same words. I trusted them. The idea of trust and then that feeling of self-shame, like somehow you've brought this on yourself. And that, I guess, inevitably can take you to a very dark dark place when I think when I'm just clarifying when you talked about the monster and not letting the monster within like own you is that what you're talking about that fear and that sort of self-doubt of like what will people think of me how will I be perceived Um, yeah um see I've always called my depression stuff he's my he's my monster and uh um Deva is my protector Mm. like steve is actually quite shy but deva is scared of no one and i 
I kind of had to let her take over. And because of it being drag, and I'm, I, I looked at my past. I was like, Lulu, drag queen, Michelle, drag queen, studio, drag queen. All, I just went down the line. Every one of them were all drag queens. And because drag queens are the fighters. We're, we're the cheerleaders of, of the gay community, right? And I felt it was, it was up to me, right? I, a lot of the, the kids in the city, they look up to me. All of them do because I'm the elder of all of them other than Miss Vicky. And she, she ain't, she ain't never going to die. But, um, uh, well, she's not. She's like Mr. Burns. She has every disease out there, but they're all perfectly balanced. Like, I love that. Um, yeah, uh, I just kind of, I felt myself that it was, it, we, this was my job as a mentor and an elder and a, I mean, it's no good for me to preach, you know, own your shit and go on if I can't do it myself. Do you find that the transmissibility, like with like within, like say Nova Scotia and Halifax, is it has it declined over the last several years, or is it like what what is it like for young people that are dating um, within you know within Halifax and Greater Halifax area? It's funny because like since prep became available, and now so many people are on it. They've stopped caring. Who uses the condom, right? Oh, I'm on prep. I don't need to, right? Well, okay. Well, now you've got, now, and now you have chlamydia, right? Uh, um, so it's making people more promiscuous now that maybe like they're they're not protecting themselves as much because you can live with HIV. Yeah, I mean HIV. It's HIV is like diabetes. It even says that it's 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 classified now as a chronic illness. Right. HIV, is, you know, it's not even classified as, you know, a fatal illness anymore, right? Eric, so I don't think people are scared of it anymore, mm-hmm. right? Until you've seen someone die with it, you know, until you've, you know, you've seen, you looked at a friend and it, it's like, he has no T-cells left, right? And until you've seen that, it really is not going to scare you. And kids now, they think they're in, they're, they think they're indestructible. And I mean, sex now... <laughs> Sex is like a polite form of greeting for these kids. I mean, like, it's crazy. So, yeah, um, it's, now with prep and stuff, they don't feel the need, I feel anyway, or just what I've seen, you know, what I've heard is that they don't protect themselves as much as they would normally. Now, if they're not on prep, then obviously they do, but um, mm. times have changed. No, I think I think I can attest to that a little bit being in my mid mid twenties here, but uh it's definitely it's definitely an interesting landscape to look at. I uh feel for people who are in the dating scene right now. I am married, so I'm <laughs> long out of it. Um but yeah, like when I was growing up it was mostly like, oh, herpes or like we never talked about HIV. Like genuinely, I don't even think I know how you would get tested like around here, like other than going to a doctor, but then you have the accessibility issues of going to a doctor. Like there's no doctors around here. So finding spaces to get tested is also, you know, a huge barrier that a lot of people are facing. Um, That kind of segues also into my next question is how do you get tested or how you would, how would you recommend getting tested in like a safe manner? Um, Well, I mean, the easiest, I mean, if you have your doctor, you just say, you know, you, you want to get tested. I mean, it's really, it's really not, it's not difficult to get tested. I mean, I imagine if you called 811 on its own, you know, and talked to anyone there, they were going to be able to direct you to somewheres 
that you're going to be able to get tested. Um, there's honestly, I don't know. Cause I've never had a problem being tested. I mean, I, the first time I was tested, I was only 17, I believe. Right. So, I mean, I've been tested regularly my, for most of my life. So yeah, I, I can't answer that because I honestly, I don't know, but um, talking to anybody at the AIDS coalition in Nova Scotia, they would be able to direct you to where you would need to go anyway. Yeah. So, no, that makes sense. Maybe going to um, like your local coalition that supports AIDS awareness. Um, but I, just going back a little bit further to what you were saying. So like Isaac, they're, you know, they're in their 20s. And so I'm obviously not in my 20s. But so talking to like, because I have young, I have young kids. And so speaking to, to them, like what, like, I'm just what kind of precautionary, what should I talk to them about with regards to being careful around HIV and um, its transmissibility and, and when they're thinking about dating and becoming intimate? Well, a number one, I mean, you should, yes, you absolutely should be talking about this to them. Mm. They need to be educated, you know, let them be educated and let them go from there. They they have to learn to make the proper choices. Give them, give them the information that that they need. Use condoms, you know, da, 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 uh, and, and and go from there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it does come down to like safe sex and being safe and respectful and, um, you know, and having a partner that, I guess that you were respectful with and that you can have these open conversations. Um, when you talk about prep, is that like a daily pill that you would take? Is that, uh, so it's a daily? Well, it's, it's funny. Like, I mean, I take two pills, uh, and I only, the only reason, like my husband takes one pill, right? It's called Strigal, and it's actually a combination of four pills. It used to be called quad, but the two pills that I take are actually in his pill but I had to take them in a different way because they interact with one of my antidepressants because mommy's crazy. And um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so prep is actually called Juvada is what, that's what prep is. Right. Yeah. So for me, I have to take prep daily because, or I have to take Juvada daily, but there's, um, there's different ways. Like if you know, you're going to be sexually active and you take it da, 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 and you work it from here, it's, um, I can't tell you the exact scheme of it because I know there's different ways of taking it for, you know, if you want to, if you're being safe. So it's really personalized and it's important that you work it out with your doctor. And, yes, absolutely. Right. Do right. Um, and so like, so World's AIDS, uh, World's AIDS Day, um, they're talking about, you know, rock the ribbon. I haven't heard a lot about what's happening um, this week, you know, here like in Nova Scotia or across Canada. Do you find like, you know, it's, Things are a little bit quieter around awareness building and, and I, yes. And I'll, I, I can say this openly. I, I, I've said this many times over the years, you know, having worked with, with the AIDS coalition Nova Scotia for years, um, fundraising and stuff, it's hard because it's no longer a problem. You know, people aren't dying, you know, mm-hmm. it's no longer the fad, right. You know um, it's not currently trending. Right. So why talk about it? And like, I, I, I've said this before, it's like, you know, yes, the places like the ACNS are dying because they're not really needed anymore. Right. And because it's so HIV is so common and, and it's not, it's not a death sentence. So therefore people don't really think about it anymore. 
and we we've already said this and um like i remember at a time when the acns i mean they you could go there and get your vitamins you could go there i mean they they, they did everything for you right and but that was also at a time before the medication was regulated and all of a sudden they were needed they were absolutely needed you know um now with the medications that, that are out there it's really just a matter of okay you're on treatment you do this you know and you be a good boy and, and everything's gucci i'm gonna jump in there really quickly because i think you brought up a really great point that you know because it's not trending and this is what I'm taking from what you're saying is that maybe there's kind of almost lack of resources out there now. And do you, do you feel that? Like, do you feel as someone who's HIV positive yourself, do you feel like there's not those systems that were once in place for you? Yes. Um, I would, I feel there needs to be more in schools because sex education is not really taught the way that it kind of was at one point. And now like, I, I just, I get to listen, I'm a hairstylist, so I listen to my clients, and they ask me things all the time, because they're like, okay, what, what is this pronoun, or what do I say to this, or my daughter is feeling this, how can I talk to her, so I'm bombarded with this stuff all the time, right, and when it comes to the fact of talking about HIV and AIDS, and, you know, as asking as far as, okay, what is taught in school, and nowhere's near enough is taught, right, I don't, um, I remember one of my clients, um, she had got me to come in um, to her school or to her class one time, but she had, it was, it was, it, I can't remember which class it was, but anyway, she had asked me, she said, I need a great movie to talk about HIV. Right. And um, you know, what would you suggest? I said, Oh, and the band played on. I said, give them that. It's the entire thing of HIV, all of it. Right. Give them that movie. And the kids loved it. Right. But, most children, you take a 13-year-old today and you ask them anything about what happened back in the 80s, they have no idea, right? Until they see a movie like, um, what was it, um, This Is Us? It was a whole bunch of stories and stuff about HIV. And they'd ask questions like, wow, was it really like that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was. And um, so, yeah, kids are not taught what they need to be taught. Yeah. And because they're left to resource on their own, they're they're left to find if oh if you want to find it, go Google it yourself, right? So it's so true. I think even tonight with Freddie Mercury at the end of Bohemian Rhapsody, like okay, what was you know the idea of when he he found out that he had HIV and walking down that hallway and someone sitting there in the hallway and you know that didn't necessarily hit home with the younger generation of what that actually meant because it was such a short scene. But I think for my generation who you know, who I'm 50 now. So, you know, Philadelphia and all like we, we grew up with that, that fear. And I think it's so important, like what we're, what you're doing here and just talking, because if we don't, if we're so afraid to have these conversations, like real conversations, then, you know, we're not going to end the stigma. And so for, it's interesting though, like for my generation and then for the young generation, Young generation doesn't really care. They think it's not a big deal. The older generation is probably still kind of nervous and feels like it, you know, they may be not aware of how far it's come and, you know, how you can live and it not be transmissible, not be like, not be even, like you said, I could drink your blood and be fine. You know, it's like, so, I mean, there's a real stopgap there between, you know, these two bodies of knowledge or lack of knowledge 
Um, and I don't see it. I don't see it being shared. Like even when I look at the different websites, I, I don't really, you know, unless I'm having this conversation, like with you and with, with, with people, um, like with our, the co-host, like Connor McKigan, we did a piece on it last week in our inclusive current. They did a whole segment on, on HIV and AIDS history, queer history. And it was amazing. Like, it was just so much great information. He's an amazing kid. And just as far as like businesses and like when you see service providers and that, like, you, you know, you're, you're a hairdresser, you're working in the salon, like in the community and that, like, what could people, what could cis people be doing better at, at maybe letting, breaking down the stigma or letting people know that they're, that, I don't know, that they're a safe person. Um, when you say businesses, um, I only had one. I lost my acupuncturist because of this. It was shortly after I had, uh, it was shortly after I found that I was positive. I knew that I could not transmit by that way, you know, as long as, you know, safety things were, were being taken. And I went to my acupuncturist and I knew that I wasn't, I knew that I wasn't required to tell him. Right. And, um, but because I had a really great relationship with this person and I, I felt uncomfortable and I was like, okay, I, I have to tell you this. And he shut down. He, he looked at, he was the only person I've ever had look at me like I was a leper. And mm -hmm. I, I understand um, his, he was unknowledgeable. He didn't, yeah. he didn't know. And I had to kind of, I, I, I had told my ID nurse and they were appalled. And, but, um, but I sent him the right people to get him on track so that his business was okay. I never ever felt comfortable, comfortable going back there. But now, I mean, I remember shortly after we found out we, we had messy, we had uh, messaged our dentist and mm -hmm. asked like, like idiots, you know, like, if you don't want to see it, that's fine. He's like, Oh my God. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I didn't wear gloves in the eighties. He said, I, and that's exactly what he said. He said, we did wonder I don't have it. He said, I didn't wear any gloves in the eighties. Right. And I was like, okay, I feel better now. And as time went on and the more you say it, the less, the, the more you're able to say it in front of someone and not feel, you know, you know, it's, it makes it feel better each time. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even think of ever someone ever saying anything bad to me. I can't imagine that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, I mean, we have come a long way. The only time I see, I do a lot of TikTok lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes, uh, well, I take care, I have a lot of orchids. So a lot of times I just do it and I'm taking care of my orchids. And I talk to people and stuff like And I've had people point blank. And usually you know that it's a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And it'd be, be someone, are you HIV? Do you have AIDS? It's like, well, no, I don't have AIDS, darling. You know, I am HIV positive. I am undetectable, therefore untransmittable. You know, learn that thing or two, you ignorant snot rag. And, you know, that hurts. That bothers me. It's appalling to me that at this day and age, we're still getting that hate. It's like, really? I want to go and smack your parents in the face. Like, you should be taught better than that. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I really think that more... Stuff should be in school, and because it is still there, it's not gone away. You know, HIV is not going anywhere. You know, now, I mean, they're very close to. I think that it's like three people now that they've actually cured, and they're working on it. So, um, uh, some stem cells that fixes everything. Uh, 
So, I mean, I will probably never see a cure myself, but I don't care. I am just fine with it. You know, uh, I take my two little pills a day and I, I don't worry about it. And I don't think of myself anymore as someone, you know, dirty and HIV and positive and da da da. There's a kid on um, on TikTok again. His name is Jay Hawkbridge. I think it, it. Anyway, he's young. He's only nineteen, maybe twenty, and uh, positive and complete. He is. He's promoting it, right? He's a. Uh, he's he's such an amazing kids like i just love to watch him like his outlook on it he's like i'm positive i'm going to put all the right things out in the world i'm going to let everybody know what it is what it isn't what it's like what it's not and um he's really amazing uh i i want to reach out to this kid like so many times i keep saying i need to message you but uh yeah it's it's getting better everything's getting better we're growing the whole planet's in a big evolution. I mean, we're in an evolutionary leap. I mean, people have got to be able to see that. So, I mean, and kids today, like I said, they don't think about HIV. They really don't, right? And we said this, you know, like uh, the kids, they, they think they're, they're indestructible. It's only if they have hate behind them, teaching them how to hate HIV, right? Like as a kid, I mean, I, I mean, okay, I'm 47. So as a kid, I can remember my parents, you know, uneducated, backwoods people, right? And the way that they talk, age was the worst possible thing ever, da, da, da. And you were just, it, you was enamored and you did fear this above all else, right? So of course that's, you know, but it's not like that anymore because people are more educated. They're, they're, they're moving past this, right? And I have hope for the future, let's just say that. Well, with kids like Connor, I do. I love that. And especially with, um, I think what people need to do is look back at the way the world reacted to AIDS from the beginning and the stigma that it created only caused more suffering for those who were going through it and prolonged probably the duration of that suffering, you know, the delay in, 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 in trying to help find uh, treatment and, and cures and that. And so look backwards for that, but look forward with hope, you know, that it is so much better now than. Well, I mean, look where we are right now. I mean, COVID, if you do research on COVID, it has a lot of the same, same elements, same things that are in that are HIV, right? I mean, it's very, the virus is very familiar, right? So, Okay. That was, that was AIDS back here. Now we've got this up here. This is this is the new AIDS. So COVID is the new HIV. And, and yet it hasn't had the stigma attached to it because it wasn't particularly with the LGBTQ plus community. Exactly. Right? You know, it gives you, gives you flu-like symptoms. It doesn't make you turn and turn turn spotty with Kaposi sarcoma and stuff like, you know. Mm. I, I've never, I've never, I've never had those things, but I've seen them on other people. Mm. And those are the, the, those, I mean, I've seen people with spots with Kaposi sarcoma and that will stay in, that's what stays in my mind. Mm. Like to mm-hmm. me, that's AIDS, right? Um, yeah. Today it's diabetes. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to, we'll, we'll put some links to, to, um, to Queen's Ranting and Apocalyptic Kitchen, because uh, I actually am really looking forward to checking that out. It sounds we're, we're working on season two right now. I'm actually editing season two right now. So the where's first... exciting? 
Where can we watch season one? Um, do you have Bell TV? It's on Five TV One. On Bell Five TV One. Okay. So, okay. Awesome. But, um, season well, right now, soon season one will actually be on Station DRG, so you'll be able to watch it there. And um, but we can't do that until we get season two done to them. And season two is going to be much better. Like we, I was learning what I was doing for this one. I got it now. <laughs> and, uh, and stay tuned. I got a lot coming up. I'm actually OnlyFans reached out to me. So uh, we're starting a streaming with OnlyFans as well. So it's a busy time around here. That is exciting. Well, keep in touch then because we'd love to talk to you more about it. And I think our season two is better than our season one, right, Isaac? So uh, yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> you learn some different different editing skills and stuff in season two. But uh, I just want to echo everything and just thank you so much for being so vulnerable and having these okay. conversations because Anytime. they make it so much easier for people, um, other folks who are HIV positive or not, to have these conversations and really opens up a lot of doors for folks. So thank you. You're welcome. If you or anyone you know is living with HIV and you'd like more information, we've included some helpful links in the show notes and online in our blog at www.simplygoodform.ca. If you suspect or are worried that perhaps you might have HIV, um, be sure to visit World AIDS Coalition or check out the links um, to find a testing center near you because getting tested is the first step in going on to live a shining, bright light of a life like devastation. Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. If you have any questions you want to ask or want to join in on the conversation, email us at connect at simplygoodform.com. Thank you all. And remember, inclusion matters.